It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Summer's coming. Are you ready to unveil your beach bod? Manscaped is here to ensure your body is ready for the wild with their game-changing full-body grooming hygiene products. It's time to get ready for hot guy summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code SPURS20. Manscaped is dedicated to helping you increase your confidence and level up your full-body grooming game with the Performance Package 4.0. The kit comes with the Essential Lawn Mower 4.0 Waterproof Cordless Body Trimmer and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your grooming routine. Inside the performance package you'll find the manscaped crop observer ball deodorant and crop reviver ball toner an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer because we know how painful chafing can be when you're wearing your bathing suit all day no one likes nose hair so the package also comes with a weed whacker 2.0 you also get two free gifts and the painted high performance reduced chafing manscaped boxes if you're wearing sandals you also need to get the manscaped shears 2.0 nail kit having the right tools for your grooming is essential do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job get 20 20% off and free shipping with the code SPURS20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code SPURS20 at manscaped.com. Trim your chesticles with your besticles. Hello Spurs fans around the world, it's Theo Delaney here in North London saying welcome to the Spurs show. Uh, we've got plenty to talk about, that is for sure, and we come into this show on the back of a win, which is a, a very rare luxury in, uh, in the context of recent games, so that's something, isn't it? I've got three brilliant guests with me, Ali Speechley, Coach Ali is back, hi Ali, how are you? Hi, Theo. I'm very well. Well, apart from being a Spurs fan, I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Well, I'm all right. Great to see you again. And then I've got two men who have the white blood of Tottenham Hotspur coursing through their veins. And I'm talking about the finest vintage of the blood because they are. this is double winning blood. I've got the son of the great Danny Blanchflower. Richard Blanchflower is with us again. Hello, Richard. Hello, Theo. Good evening. Night. Nice to see you. And I've got the son of the man they called the ghost, the great John White. Rob White is here. Hello, Rob. Hi, Theo. Hi, all. Hi, Richard. Nice to see you again. 
And you, Rob. Welcome all. It's uh, yeah, it's a strange time because I don't know. I, I don't know how many of you were, were witnessed uh, Saturday's proceedings. I, I trudged along there on a line bike in the pouring rain. Got, got there rather wet, and sat there. And uh, you know, we won. Let's just let's just say we won the game. But I I thought I thought it was one of the most dreary games of football I'd seen in some time, especially at that price. Blimey, what did you come away feeling? Ali, what did you think as you walked away from that game? So I did literally walk away from that game because I don't get to see Spurs very often, but I actually went to see them on Saturday. Um, and uh, I was kind of like pleasantly surprised by the start of the game. I felt there was a little bit more, seemed to be a bit more energy and a bit more fight in them than there has been for, for most of the season. Um, but yeah, like the rest of it, apart from the goal, really, the rest of it was pl- pr- pretty bleak. Um, the weather didn't help uh, with the mood. But um, yeah, so I walked away relieved by the win. Yeah, it was that sort of feeling, wasn't it? Relief rather than any kind of euphoria. Richard, did you think, were you surprised by the tinkering with the team that uh, that Ryan Mason did, you know, he seemed to change the formation slightly and he made three three changes in personnel. He did. I sort of described it as a four, three and a half, two and a half. Um, it, it was interesting that he got Emerson Royal at right back and he had Porro in front of him, which I thought helped take care of distribution through to Zaha quite a lot. So I think tactically that was a good move. Um, it was a gritty performance, but at least a, a clean sheet and we looked a lot stronger defensively than we have done in the past. I mean, the the first 20 minutes in Newcastle, I've never seen anything like it in my life. Yeah, I mean, I, I felt like um, it was interesting because it was, it was sort of, in theory, playing one less... To, well, I mean, these formations... They're called certain things, but they're very fluid, aren't they? But he sort of had a back four, didn't he? And, but he had kind of had, like you said, Richard, two two right backs, which seemed to work quite well. And of course, Porro, and what we know about Porro and uh, Emerson Royale is <laughs> they both had stick. I mean, Porro's only been here five minutes. He already had a load of stick. Emerson Royale was getting terrible dogs abuse earlier in the season. And in Porro's case, it's for being a poor defender. And in Royale's case... It's for being a poor attacker. So I guess if you put Royale behind Porro, that sort of seems to sort it out. Rob, do you think that might be the way forward, that this this adjusted formation? Yeah, I think for a start, any any team that doesn't have Eric Dyer um, <laughs> in it is, is a massive improvement. And especially, yeah. actually, I was thinking today, it must have been, and, and I'm, I'm not overly, um, I know it's early, but I'm not overly impressed with, with Ryan Mason. I still think he's, He's been there too long to make that much difference. No, no, oh, I see. That's Sorry. A, that's a, a I thought you were making a joke. No, no, no. It's a different discussion point. But I think actually he did show some uh, resolve if that's his decision to do that. It's to leave Dyer. Dyer had played the third most minutes in uh, from, from all the Tottenham players this season, only behind Kane and Hoybier. Yeah. So I think that made a, that made a difference uh, to the men's, my mentality. I think, like Ali was saying, and like you were saying, it was a very strange game. There were lots of empty seats. Um, the atmosphere was weird. We should be grateful, I guess. We've got a, a clean sheet, a goal, and three points. But it really didn't feel it didn't feel that that um, that great. And I think I've said it on here before, and I was saying it in the bar afterwards. Without wanting to sound like Robbie Williams, I just want to go to a football game and be entertained, you know. And I wasn't entertained yeah. there. 
Yeah, I mean, I would say it's even less entertaining than watching us be absolutely smashed to pieces at Newcastle. I mean, you know, uh, there was it was really was one of those games where nothing happened except, as Ali said, one one moment of excellence, and inevitably, almost it was Harry Kane. It was just like nothing much going on, and that volleyed pass that he not only saw but executed so perfectly out to Poro, and he was done it so it was so unexpected. And only only special players see those things and then execute them. That when Porro got the ball, because it was so unexpected, it, it, it caught everyone out. It enabled him to have time and space to pick out a great cross to the far post. And of course, who's there? Who's there applying the perfect finish, the deft header? But the man himself. And if anything encapsulate this game, almost encapsulated Tottenham's existence in recent years, which is dreary. Not great to watch, not very good. Playing average teams and not being better than them, apart from one special magic ingredient, Harry Kane. And Harry Kane won the game. And so often that that seems to be the case. Richard, I was talking to my dad earlier. He's a very cynical kind of Tottenham fan. He's always uh, sees sees the uh, can be a bit glass half empty. Let's let's put it that way. And we were discussing what Harry Kane is going to do because he's holding all the cards now, of course. He can either, I mean, basically from the club's point of view, if they don't sell him this summer, there's a danger of him walking away with absolutely no financial compensation to the club whatsoever. From Kane's point of view, because he's only got a year to go, he he could go this summer, but if he waited a year, he would own himself. And he would still be worth, even at 31, given how prolific he is, given what a model professional he is, he'd still be worth on the open market, I would imagine, 50 or 60 million quid, which he would effectively get himself when he went somewhere else. What do you think? What do you, what's your hunch about what he might do, Richard, now? I haven't got a clue. <laughs> yeah. I mean, none of us have, have we? But this one, is, this... one thing people forget is if you look at somebody's private life, He's married with three or four kids, yeah, yeah, all set in schools. He'll be in a nice place in Hertfordshire. Yeah. Um, that's quite a lot to give up to move somewhere different. Um, it's a big upheaval. Um, the media go on all the time about winning stuff. I mean, my dad used to stay at the start of every season. Only one team can win the league. Only one team can win the cup. And only one team can win the league cup. Does that make everybody else a failure? Um so um, I, I'm a bit fed up with hearing about Kane all the time, actually. If he goes, he goes. If he stays, he stays. Yeah, yeah. But the, the, the fear, of course, is that we are to some extent reliant on him. On the other hand, you look at those forwards. Richarlison's not had a great year. People say, oh, he's been a flop. And then, but, but to be fair to him, he's hardly really played. He's hardly started any games at centre-forward because, of course, there's no vacancy there. And Kane, last two seasons, hasn't had... Before that, every year he'd get one injury that keep him out for six or eight weeks. Last two seasons, he hasn't had any injuries at all. He's, yeah, he's just we're, carried... We're screaming out for a footballer in midfield, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean Benton Kerr, I, th- I think, is a terrific player. Losing yeah. him was a yeah. really big blow. But when you think yeah. in the past, in the recent past, we've had Christian Eriksen, we've yeah. had um, Dembele, um, you know, fantastic players. Um, Modric before that, yeah. Correct, Modric before that, Michael Carrick. I'm going to get back and then yep. Rob's dad in the end. But um, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, loads of terrific footballers. And uh, yeah, what was apparent on Saturday was, you know, it's almost like one step forward, two steps back all the time, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because and 
And that's very much to do with Conti's system, which thank thank God we now no longer have to worry about. But Conti's system only demands two sort of dogs of war in the midfield because they're doing the work of three men and they just have to go around and, and win the ball and show tenacity. But there's no room for a playmaker in his system. Now, if we're going to get a new manager may play, there's any, any number, almost every other system can accommodate at least one ball playing midfielder. So, yeah, I mean, if Kane was to go and we got a big chunk of money and we started, we had a manager who wanted to play 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1, etc., then maybe we'd be in. We'd certainly have the wherewithal to go in for someone like Madison. Looks like Leicester are going down and he's going to be available, doesn't it? But I mean, I'm sure there'll be a few, I'm sure there'll be a few uh, teams in for him, but he would be an obvious choice. And then suddenly, say Kane, Kane goes, you got Richarlison at centre-forward. And then you either play a 4-3-3, in which case you might have Son and Kulicescu either side of him, or you might play a... Even four... People are talking about the return of 4-4-2. You could play a 4-4-2 and have one of those central midfielders, you know, a playmaker. So, yeah, I agree with you in, in some ways, Richard. Uh, you know, it, it's, it, it does become tiresome, really, the, the, the Kane saga. But let's talk about the new manager. I'm going to tell you the how it how it's lining up with the bookies at the moment. Obviously, this is an ever changing thing. Nagelsmann is now back, seen as the favourite again. He he was a sort of early favourite. Then he drifted away, especially when Chelsea were looking for him. And they assumed maybe Chelsea game. Then Chelsea stopped talking to him. Then there's been noises suggesting that Levius had talks with Nagelsmann already. He seems to be the biggest star name and he's at the top of the booking uh the betting after that it's Xavi Alonso who's currently the former Liverpool Bayern Munich and Real Madrid playmaker who's had really good uh had a really good time at where is he at Bayer Leverkusen isn't it he's been yeah. doing well at Bayer Leverkusen then you've got uh, a third in the be- betting so he's obviously come back in again is Rogers our old friend Rogers who you'd think he'd be he'd be lucky to get it, given his recent travails. Then you've got Slot, who a lot of people say is really, really the real deal. He's just won the league with Feyenoord, and they have only won the league once other than recently, this century. And given they're the other big name, you would say, in Dutch football, well, there's three big names in Dutch football, aren't there? PSV, Feyenoord, and Ajax. So he he's really made a difference. And people say he is... You know, outstanding. In fact, I heard some uh, a Dutch football expert say that he, he in Holland he was always in recent couple last couple of years he'd been regarded as a much better bet, a much much sort of more impressive uh, bet for future success than ten than Den Haag. So there's him. Then there's Ryan Mason. Then there's Luis Enrique. Then there's Potter. Then there's Posticoglu, who I actually quite like the look of. Of all of those, Rob, who do you like? Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, I'd probably uh, I'd probably go back to my usual answer, which is, to be absolutely honest, the last 20 years have taught me that it doesn't really matter who's in charge. Um, uh, it, there has to be a, there has to be a, a change in, in mentality, and I'm not saying necessarily change in the ownership. I'm saying a change in the mentality of what goes on behind the scenes. So right. um, I guess possibly possibly it, from that list, probably Nagelsmann, um, just because of, of youth. But there, you know. All of these managers seem to be uh, all of the well, whatever manager we've tried, um, they seem to be bought or, bought in, sold one thing, and actually something else de- is delivered to them. And I think it really is time to have a good, serious look about what goes on behind the scenes. Um, I know forever, you know, as fans, we're always talking about that, but I think it is time that that you know Daniel Levy really has a, a good look or a good, honest conversation with himself and says actually. Let's leave this to somebody else. So, short answer is Nagelsmann. Um, interested to hear what Ali would would say because just because you're coaching um, credentials, Ali. <laughs> oh, thanks, Rob. Yeah. Um, would, you do, would you do the job? Actually, that's an interesting conversation because nobody ever talks about a woman doing the job. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, Emma Hayes uh, is actually a Spurs fan, so yeah. Yeah. I'd give it yeah. to her. Big Spurs he, fan. I'd give yeah. it to her over any of them, quite frankly. But um, I think. As Richard said, he, he's sick of hearing about Harry Kane. I'm sick of hearing about the managers, to be honest. Like, t- tell me when we've got one and then I'll yeah. form an opinion. I just yeah. feel like I agree with you, Robin, that I think the club is in a bit of a shambles in terms of identity and DNA. We talk about DNA a lot in football. And I just feel like what is what is Spurs DNA at the moment? Like, what, what are they even coaching the academy players? If it's supposed to be a pathway into the first team, mm. the first team seems to change with the manager each time, which for me is not how football should work. You should hire people that buy into your philosophy and your DNA as a club. And I think because Levy's been doing the hiring and then having to do the firing, he he's a businessman and he's great at, at what he does in terms of building phenomenal stadiums, but he's not a football he hasn't got a footballing brain. And so yeah, we need someone who understands football to have to create that really clear philosophy and DNA. And then we need to recruit accordingly. Rob, what are you gonna say? Yeah, I say actually it's fascinating because I'm just reading the Bobby Buckle book. Um and he, uh, there's a point where he basically leaves. When he leaves Spurs, he leaves because he feels that the business people are taking over the football side. Um, and this is in 18, 1894. Wow, uh, it's 18, that's amazing. Danny, so uh, he's the your, your dad, would say exactly the same thing in the sixties about the, you know, the people that were involved in football, making football decisions, weren't the right people. And he had. By, uh, you'll be able to tell me more, more about it, but he had more arguments and more, more fallouts with people than, than you know, people care to, to, to mention. And it's interesting it's still going on in, in 2023, really. Well, I can go back because um, my father had retired and Bill Nicholson had him lined up to replace him as manager of Tottenham. Yeah. 
And the board turned around and said, if you wanted to be the next manager, you have to apply for the job. And as you quite rightly said, Rob, my dad was a stubborn bastard. And he turned around and said, if you want me, just give me the job. So they ended up appointing Terry Neal. And within three years, they were in Division 2. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, when we made... Sorry, Tio, if I could just carry on, though. Rob's quite right. I mean, the recruitment at the club over the last four or five years has been appalling, hasn't it? You think of yeah. the number of number of players we've got coming back from loan that we've got to sort out. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. some of them are, some of them have cost Spence. a fortune. I mean, um, and Dombele and Lacelso, Regulon, Lacelso. Yeah. Well, people say um, Levy hasn't spent enough money. What did Lacelso and then Dombele cost? Yeah, a hundred million between them. Yeah, oh. yeah. Which but, is but this, huge. now this is from somebody who. Again, Ali, you said somebody that people say is a brilliant businessman, and he is a brilliant businessman, but he's not a great football businessman. No, he's not exactly. alone in that. No, you know, but but I still don't buy this great businessman thing. Well, the trouble with I mean, we may have said this before, but uh, the trouble with people who are phenomenally rich because they see themselves as phenomenally successful is that they regard themselves as cleverer than anyone else about everything. And I think he thinks that, and I think he's uh, that's why he's not very good at delegating. Theo, it's frustrating because I I spoke, I was a guest speaker at Winchmore Hill Football Club centenary dinner last year, and I sat next to Paul Barber, who was at Tottenham, who's now at Brighton doing a brilliant job. And you know, they've if they lose a player in any position, they've almost got a list of who they're going to replace him. And losing yeah. Potter, they've replaced him with a, another terrific tactical coach. It's deserving. Yeah. I mean, but I, unbelievably, we've beaten Brighton home and away this season. And they, yeah. they're one of the best sides I've seen play, actually. Absolutely. They play terrific football. Um, yeah. And that's because yeah. that's linked to that's because at Brighton, they have a really clear and strong club DNA and yeah. they yeah. only recruit people who are committed to it. Yeah. And they, yeah. they recruit based on the person. They don't care what your previous credentials were and all of that stuff. They they recruit based on your interview and how you come across in terms of being committed to their their way of doing things. Um so that that's but Brighton's a great cl- a great example, Richard, of yeah. kind of doing it the right way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we made uh, what the situation we're in now feels like Groundhog Day. In that two seasons ago, at the end of the season, they'd fired Mourinho, who'd been playing boring football and had alienated the players. They put Ryan Mason in charge. We limped to the end of the season, and then there was a scramble went round to, to who's going to who you know who the manager was going to be, and we all looked at it and thought this is incompetence by the management the upper management by the people who are supposed to be running our club. And we made a film. Lots of us got together and made a film. And we said that. We said, look, you know, you're not concentrating enough. We understand that there have been other things going on. But this is a football club. And we need the focus to be on the football club. And it it seemed to resonate uh, enough for actually Daniel Levy issued a statement and said that he was going to, he, he realized he accepted that. He said he, he, his attention had been diverted by the things we all knew what they were. It's a stadium and everything, and that he was intent now on getting someone in who was going to return the club to its true DNA, which we can assume the true DNA is the DNA that Danny Blanchard talked about with his very famous quote when he said that the game wasn't just about winning; it was about doing. It was about glory. The quote that we all live by, that is the very day. If you could to define, define the Tottenham philosophy and the DNA, that was it. So we thought, oh, we must have finally read the quote. And then what happens is two years later, 
We're in precisely the same position. And he's hired a manager who had precisely the same problems as the one that had got us into the position in the first place. In other words, no regard for the Tottenham DNA, the almost antithesis of the Tottenham DNA, a defensive, pragmatic approach, which depends on spending money and getting big name players in, uh, playing pragmatic football. Nothing to do with glorious football at all, and then you, that's when you now you realise that when Daniel Levy said, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna concentrate on the football, and I'm gonna return us to our DNA," it was bullshit. He doesn't know what the DNA is. He doesn't understand the whole notion of a club having an ethos and a culture and a DNA. Call it whatever you want, but a, a kind of set of beliefs that, that that was the thing that when we were when you know over the years we're you know we've all been watching this great club. I mean. Coach Ali obviously is uh, is almost childlike compared to the rest of us here, but but uh, in, but we've all certainly watched a lot of games between us. And when we've gone through long stretches of not winning in the past, we've always had that. We've always had that feeling. Yeah, but we are the we're Tottenham Hotspur. We adhere to those values that that Danny Blanchard talked about, that Bill Nicholson talked about, that were embodied by that great early sixties team, and 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 then throughout the sixties and seventies and eighties, and even in the nineties, which people talk about with great. You know, gloom. They talk about the terrible '90s years, but we still had people like Jurgen Klinsmann and David Ginola and, and Teddy Sheringham playing fantastic football. They were still adhering to those. Well, a couple of interludes with Jerry Francis and George Graham were perhaps not, but and you just realise that actually the people in the boardroom have no regard for that sort of thing, and so they probably consider it to be whimsical and trivial. And in fact, they think no, football's like business. You you try you just try and win, and you do what you need to do to win. And they've, they've not really grasped it, and it's depressing slightly that we're in that uh, that we're in that position again. And in fact, the last time we played with great glory was under Pochettino, and you feel like it was luck that got us Pochettino, and you you wonder whether luck's going to have to play a part again. And when you look at those managers on that list, I think possibly some of them we know more about some of them than others, but it, it may be. Maybe Nagelsmann, for example, who plays front foot football and, and high press football and, and has a reputation for, for getting the best out of young players and things. And maybe that, but that's all we can hope for. I think we, we're going to have to hope for luck again, aren't we? Um, I mean, Nagelsmann's young. Um, I quite like people who've been associated with the game in Germany, where I think there's quite an emphasis on tactical, on uh, good tactical football uh, on skill, being able to pass the trap the ball and pass the ball. Um, Nagelsmann also has, is used to dealing with big, big name players. Um, yeah. You know, he's, he's managed sides in the uh, Champions League. So he, he ought to sort of come in with having, getting some sort of respect from the players. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, I think that Daniel Levy and the, and the board really are paranoid with having not won anything for ages. And yeah. so the last two or three appointments they've made, they thought, oh, we'll get him in and he'll, he'll definitely win us something. Yeah. Um, but I mean, to, to be fair to them, it's certainly true that had they won things, you know, had Mourinho or, or Conte won things, there would be a, a great deal less discontent. But as we all know, this is like, a, this is almost like a mantra. You don't, you want to, the first thing you want to do is you want to win as a fan. The second, then the, the second thing is if you don't win, you just want to, you want to, want to at least play, you want to feel like they've yeah, played right. well. You, you yeah. want to do things in style. I mean, what one of the most dis, um, disappointing games I've seen this season was our home match against AC Milan. Yes. It was almost yeah. like we just accepted the fact that we weren't going to go through. Yeah. Now, 
My dad would say, you know, even if you're a poorer side, you might as well have a go. Yeah. Even if you get beat three or four nil, at least you've had a go. Turn around yeah. at the end of the game. It's like when yeah. I was watching Wales play England in the World Cup. You know, they yeah. were playing for a nil-nil draw in a, in a, a knockout game. I'm thinking, yeah. have a go. Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I, think, I don't know about you, Theo, but I felt that those first maybe it was only five, ten minutes, I don't know, it felt felt amazing. Um of of the Palace game, the crowd really responded really positively to the fact that the lads were having a go. They yeah. were doing just yeah. that. They were, you know, they were actually trying. Yeah. They were trying to play on the front foot. And I think we've been we've been broken down so much now that we'll just take anything. We're yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. Not, but then in the second half, they very much resorted to just sideways, sideways passing. Yeah, it seems um, to have been drummed into them. Yeah. yeah, which is, which is, I mean, you do feel like it's going to take someone to come in and really, really shake the whole thing up the way Pochettino did. In other words, kick some people out quickly. But also, uh, the, 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 to, to just go back to Daniel Levy for a minute, the, the, you know, the, somehow we were fifth up until, what, three or four weeks ago. Yeah. And and this whole Conte thing has been rumbling on since before Christmas. Yeah. And there's no, there doesn't seem to me any degree of succession planning in place. No. Actually, no. you know, if they'd have got, I don't know, if they'd have got somebody in, it's not my business to do it, it's his business to do it. But if they've got somebody in, we could now still be looking at, it's a very, very average Premier League this year. We yeah. should still be looking at fourth place. Yeah. And, and although fourth place isn't that important to me as a fan, it's really important to the club economically. Yeah. But again, it's such a massive dereliction of duty from somebody that's supposed to be the brightest button yeah. out there. Yeah, Theo, Theo Rob's yeah. right. I mean, we, we went to our, probably our most recent, most important away game of the season, Newcastle United away. We've played a syst- the same system all season. For some reason, he changes the system, goes back to 4 4 2 with two yeah. fullbacks. Who can't? Who aren't defenders? Yeah, I mean, it's no surprise when you're not getting battered. Yeah, uh, now I'm not being wise in hindsight. You know, I, you can see that from day one. So yeah, Stel- Stellini shouldn't have been there, should he? He's no. you know, you've no. got rid of Conte. Stellini's got to go at the same time. No, it's incredible incompetence. And when you think about it, as we've said again many times, a, a business of this size is a big, big business. A business that is supposedly yeah. worth about five billion quid. The turnover runs into hundreds of millions. You know, huge business. You got executives being paid millions. The chief executive of a business like that that makes decisions that allow something that bad to happen. That chief executive very often get fired. Because it's uh, at that level, you know, you don't get a, you don't get a second chance. That is a series of absolutely catastrophic decisions, not just from a football fan's point of view, not just from a football point of view, but as Rob says, very much from a business point of view. We had it in our – we could have got through against Milan. We, you know, you describe that game. You're so right, Ali. That game was absolutely – it's not as if we were the underdogs. We're a no. better – we've got a bigger, more expensive team than them. We're from a bigger league. We should have beaten them. We got an okay result out there. We were poised and it just fell apart. And, you know, and you look at, like you said, Rob, we we were in the box seat to get into the top four. Brilliant for the business, essential for the business in, in so many ways. Increased revenue, increased prestige, better chances to get better deals with sponsors, which are so important, better chances to attract better players, you know, to have a different carrot where you don't just have to pay them a load of money. You say, look, we're in the Champions League. All of that stuff. And all of that is, as you say, a dereliction of duty. It's incompetence. And in a in a in a, a public company of 
similar size, the chief executive would be under severe pressure. But the chief executive in this case is under no pressure whatsoever because the only person who can fire him is himself or argue who's more interested, of course, in the balance sheet. Although the balance sheet does take a whack on this. But, uh, you know, it's it's exasperating. And really, you know, Rob, you said that when we get the new manager in, yes, but we need to look at what the hierarchy, what the structure is. We need to change that because time and time and time again, it goes wrong. But don't you think we're? It, it's unlikely that this leopard is going to change its spots? Because Absolutely. I mean, you know, people don't – he's had 20 years to learn these lessons. Yeah, yeah, and I think what you said earlier, you know, it's – there is that, that uh, I think it's a Greek saying, even a broken clock is right twice a day. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's – you know, if you hire enough managers, I think that's what happened with Poch. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. It, 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 back to what you were saying earlier and what we've all said here, there is – it's the structure of the club that really – and if he's serious about it, then fine. But if he's not serious about it, then stop – giving us these sound bites that talking about the club DNA, talking about all this bullshit, frankly. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and let's all start understanding that this is just a business enterprise now that puts on concerts, that puts on rugby, that puts on NFL. Um, you know, and whether the football, just just either either face up and tell us you're serious about it or tell us it's just a sideshow because that's what it feels like. And actually, Richard, what I forgot to mention was, of course, the property de- developments around here. But, you know, and that's that's a, that's a, a massive uh, income stream, or it will be. Yeah. And yeah. it's ongoing and it's growing all the time, isn't it? I mean, that's, yeah, yeah. that's the thing. But, you know, the frustration is that you look at it's, – it's what he wants from it, really, and that's where – that's that has to be the honest answer, what he wants from it. You can, you can have all these things, but you could also have great football. Yeah. It's so simple. Yeah. <laughs> the money you're yeah. playing to Conte and the money you're playing to Mourinho and uh, to Ndombele and all these people, it's just wasted. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't seem like rocket science to me. Yeah, I mean, the worry is that, uh, I mean, again, we've said this before, but the worry is he suddenly thinks, actually, you know what, all the amount of money you have to spend to have a tilt at the, at the upper end, I'd, I'd probably be better off spending less, risking less, and keep just keeping us in the Premier League and then I can concentrate on all these other things which are a much surer bet. You know, all these other enterprises, property speculation and go-kart tracks and Beyonce, you know the deal and you go into it. This is what we'll have to spend. This is what we make profit-wise. Mm. Whereas you buy, you know, Ndombele, right, we spend $50 million, What are we going to get? Well, we might win something. Or, and also we might sell him at a profit. On the other end, he might be worth nothing inside two years. You know? Yeah, I, I was just going to say, I don't want to drag him into it, but I will. You look at Deli Ali. Yeah. Four or five years ago, you were looking at an asset that was $100 million. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you're a business, if you're purely a, a profit and loss man, but that sort of thing is quite petrifying, isn't it? That's really scary. You've got a hundred million pound asset, and then suddenly you turn around, and it's worth nothing. Yeah, you know, and it doesn't apply to go kart tracks and concerts or any of the other stuff because you know where you are with that stuff. And you know, uh, sooner or later, you just wonder whether Lewis and Levy are just going to say, actually, you know, well, let's just ease off on this spe- this speculation. It's not doing us any good. This speculation on the football front. Let's just stick to the stuff that we know is going to build the business and and uh, and isn't going to give us sleepless nights. And that's the real worry. Yeah, hopefully, it's a nightmare scenario and it never comes true. You know. Yeah. Thanks for saying that, Rob. <laughs> Let's uh I tell you what we let's talk let's let's get away from the fundamentals a bit. Let's just look at the the squad and what we think needs to be done regardless of who the manager is because there are certain glaring um I would say 
you know, problems with this squad. But there's also there are also some really good players in it, I think, and some certain parts of the squad which are strong. Ali, where, where do you think this some of the most important transfer what, what's the most important transfer business that needs to be done? Um, I think Richard was spot on earlier about a playmaker yeah. in, in midfield. Yeah. I think Eric Dyer is not a centre back. Yeah. Like, I think he's a great, I love him as a person. He seems to be like a genuinely lovely person. Yeah, I know. So I find it really difficult to be like, oh God. Yeah. But he is not, he's not a centre back. So yeah. that, that needs shoring up. And actually, I felt quite relieved on Saturday when he wasn't in the starting yeah. lineup. And yeah. I think we were, I think we, we were better for it, unfortunately mm. for him. Um, but yeah, I think, I think the main one for me is, is definitely the playmaker in midfield because there were so many times where I'm like, oh, if only Harry Kane could pass to Harry Kane, then everything would be okay. But like, because even if you look at that goal against Palace, like he made, he made that goal. Yeah, absolutely. He um, made it and then he scored it. And, and you just, yeah, you need, you need him sort of sitting behind him really mm. um but yeah we need we need a playmaker for sure it's funny about eric Dyer because i think being a good bloke and being a good what they what they often describe as a great presence in the dressing room can can get you a lot of appearances that and 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 it it seems to mitigate against your, your well, you like, know like ben davies so right yeah, Davy seems to be this guy that's managed to hang on and on and on yeah. and on. Yeah, because he's a good guy, good pro. Because he's yeah, but he's not. You wouldn't get into these are the this is the question you often ask yourself: How many of these players are getting in the other big six? Exactly, and uh, not those two. That's for sure. Unfortunately, no. and they've been around a long time. Someone said, I think last week on this or the week before. The thing is. And, you know, in the, the latter stages of Pochettino, those two were very much squad players. They weren't starters, and. Since then, they've become bloody regular starters. What's happened? We've gone back. I mean, you know, uh, that, I mean, we had a, we had a, a selection of Spurs legends on a Spurs show live, and I'm not going to name the one who said it, but it, but one of them said uh, they were always great when you're backstage with those guys because they obviously they they know exactly what they're talking about. They're massively experienced. It's fascinating. I just sit in the corner and listen, and one of them said that Eric Dyer. Somebody tells me he's a very intelligent lad. Is that right? And uh, somebody else said, yeah, he is. He's supposed to be very intelligent. He said, he's not a very intelligent footballer, is he? And they all just nodded. I mean, there's, there's a, it's a different thing, isn't it? It's a different thing. Yeah. Who do you think we Who do you think we need, Richard? If you were if you're in charge of transfer business, what would you pr- be right. prioritising? I'll be controversial now. The most important position on the park's goalkeeper. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Because if you've got a clowning goal throwing two or three in every week, then it's not a lot of good. 
I get I get rid of Lloris straight away. I have a heart attack every time he's on the ball tr- trying to clear it. Um, Forster's looked a lot steadier, even though he's probably not as good a goalkeeper as Lloris. But uh, he's big and he you know he doesn't mind coming off his line. So I I definitely go in heavily for the Brentford guy who, although he's Spanish, qualifies as a home player, which would oh, help right. the squad. Um, uh, I mean, it's it's no coincidence that Manchester City and Liverpool have probably got the two best goalkeepers in terms of distribution and saving. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So that's the first thing I do. Um, then playmaker, I mean, I go in heavily for James Madison, who I think is a very, very good footballer. Um, you know, and if you can get somebody like that, that might encourage somebody like Harry Kane to sort of say, right, we'll give it another year and see see, see what happens. Uh, I think we, we need another centre-back. Um I mean, we've been playing three centre-backs uh, against one striker, which I can never understand. You know, Newcastle made that look look ridiculous, didn't they? Um, Sessegnon's been a disappointment, but it'd be nice if he could get back fit and get some confidence back. You never know, a new coach coming in might help there. Um, Porro's a good attacking right wing-back. Um, Benton Kerr will be back hopefully sooner rather than later, which will help us a lot. Um, a, a lot's been on Hoiberg's shoulders, I think, and he looks very tired now, in my view. Yeah, well, I mean, he uh, never ever misses a game, does he? Yeah, I, I don't think Oliver skip, skips quite good enough. He's he's cover really. Mm. Um, mm. I like the look of uh, potentially, yeah, the ones who aren't playing for whatever reason. So Bissouma, we know from last season that Brighton is an, an absolutely excellent Premier League player. He just again has had a year, but but you know, lots of Manchester City and Liverpool play by players that don't have, I mean Grealish had a terrible first year at Man City look at him now you know so I think you're entitled to have a year to settle in and obviously he's had his injury but I think Basuma and Benton Kurtz because as we all agree has been a big miss and I also think that Saar potentially is actually a top class uh, engine room midfielder really classy as well as you know tenacious and energetic so I think actually we're quite well stocked there and if we had two of them plus someone like Madison, someone who really can do the unexpected and can really pick a pass, you know, suddenly you're looking at that might be all right. And actually, well, there's Madison in midfield. You know, when you've got the option of hitting Harry Kane, Son, maybe Kulusevski, yeah, it's a lot easier, isn't it? Um, absolutely. He's playing teams yeah. on his own at the moment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Rob, anyone, any other departments you think we could? I'm just going to uh, wind Richard up and start talking about Harry Kane again. So I think that's, <laughs> I think that's as important as a as as any any signing to start with. I think that's going to really, if he goes, which again depends who you talk to, it's already done. Um, then you know we we completely change it changes everything at the club. Yeah. Um, so I think I think keeping Kane, getting a, a, a really good centre back and a really good goalkeeper. So you've got the spine of the team. Yeah. It's simple as that, really. And yeah, if if you had the uh if we had the luxury of bringing in a creative midfielder, it would be great. But then obviously that would mean a change in system, which would again be fantastic. Um but if I wasn't being greedy, it would be keeping Kane, getting a really good keeper and a really good centre back. And I think yeah. the rest of the the rest of the ingredients are probably there with a, a really good progressive coach yeah. that instill confidence into these players. Because again, we all know how important confidence is in all these roles. Yeah. And in fact, uh, getting people out is going to be as important as getting people in because it's a bloated squad. If once they all come back from loan and they all just turn up, it's going to be, I mean, they, t- they say at Chelsea, there's the standing room only people sitting on the floor and stuff because there's not actually enough room when they have team meetings. And it's going to be a bit like that. If they all come back from loan, I mean, it's going to be, 
they're going to have their work cut out shedding people off the wage bill, aren't they? I think it was quite interesting. Again, Ali, I'll bring you in because if I watch, and Richard, um, you were talking about when I was playing out from the back, you watch City when they're playing out from the back and the player receiving the ball looks like he knows what he's going to do when he when he gets the ball effectively. He knows what the next pass is going to be. Sheer genius. It's not. It's 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 just really good coaching. And mm-hmm. when, when our players get the ball, it's like, oh, this is a surprise. I've got the ball. What do I do with it? What do, what do I do? And, mm-hmm. uh, so did you see what I'm saying, Ali? Is that that's it's a fundamental, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think also it's about getting someone in who is gonna help these players play to their strengths first and foremost. Start with their strengths, get their confidence back up, and then start challenging them on some of the harder stuff. I think what always amazes me at this level of the game is that you have managers come in who are so stubborn. And to me, football is all about adaptation. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it's not it's not a static game is it it's con- the picture's constantly changing in front of you you have to adapt to it and yet managers like Mourinho and Conte are very stubborn in this is how I'm going to play regardless of the set of personnel I've got in the locker room like this is how I'm going to make these players play and I just we've seen what happens with that it doesn't work so I think it's it, we need someone who's going to be flexible with the personnel that we have. But also to your point, Theo, about, you know, the squad size, that's one of the things that Poch did, wasn't it, when he came in? He was yeah. like, what is like an NFL squad? Like, why are there so many players? Mm. And it was just like, okay, out, 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 out. Um, yeah. So someone's definitely got to come in and do that. Yeah. It, and it's, Theo, it, football's an e- e- easy game made complicated by players, all right? Yeah. When you've got the ball... The other 10 players should be getting into a position where they can receive a pass. When they've got the ball, all 11 players should be getting in a position where they can recover it. Simple as that. Yeah. But maybe I, I'd quite like you to do the job, Richard. I think, I think it's a return to... Sh- <laughs> yeah, you are. That's true. All right. Well, listen, we're coming towards the end of the show. So but, uh, but I want to talk about the next weekend's game at Aston Villa. Before we do that, I just wanted to plug my own other podcast, but I don't don't usually do, but I've got a great edition out at the moment with Pete Hain and regular listeners of this show will know Pete Hain because he's been a guest on here many times. He's also been a great servant to the Tottenham Hotspur supporters. Trust he does brilliant Tottenham history walks. And it's a great two-part Life Goals podcast, which I thoroughly recommend because Pete was brilliant. And I, uh, I'm very grateful to him for having me along to his lovely home where we uh, we spent a couple of uh, happy hours reminiscing about various Tottenham, great Tottenham moments and much more besides. He's also a massive music fan and very knowledgeable about that as well. So I recommend that. Now, before we go, we are duty-bound to talk about the next game. That is uh, Aston Villa away, which uh, it's been a few years since we were able to say this. Shit, it's Aston Villa away. They're really good. (laughs) But but they are, uh, all of a sudden, much better than us in terms of form. They've obviously had a change of manager this season, which has gone like a dream. Which is which we uh, we can only hope for going forward. How do you see that one going, Richard? Well, um, I was born in Birmingham because my father played for Aston Villa before he was transferred yeah. to Tottenham. Yeah. Um, and so I'm going to quote my dad, who used to say, "They, Danny, what do you think the score will be on Saturday?" He said, "That's why they're playing the game, isn't it?" It's <laughs> a great dad. That is a great dadism. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Ali, how do you, what do you think about what, would you, what does this fill you with trepidation and uh, concern? This this away trip. 
I mean, as ever, hopeful for the win, but braced for the <laughs> for the braced. misery of Tottenham Hotspur. Like, I I really feel like this game is one of those that could just like I I wouldn't be surprised either way. Basically, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised. Like, if we won it, well, actually, I would be surprised if we won it. But <laughs> I would. I feel I'm hopeful. I'm going to say two one Spurs. Oh wow! I mean, uh, they are they are. Really good, Villa, and actually, yeah, we won't keep a clean sheet. I don't, I don't think. We'll yeah, keep a clean sheet. I mean, the way they're playing, especially at home, you think they could come at us the way Newcastle did. But I do think, with Ryan Mason being in sole charge, I do think there has been some uh, restoration of pride amongst the players, at least. At least, I they also don't... think there's been a higher press. Yeah, and I think they haven't sat back as badly, so yeah. as catastrophically as they have in yeah. in, the, in the rest so of the you, season. So you like to think they're not going to get a chasing like they got in the early stages of the of the three games before the Palace game. But but uh, who knows, Rob? What do you think? Well, they lost on Saturday, didn't they? I think they lost to Wolves yeah. on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, um, that was the end of a good run. Yeah, yeah. So maybe they they've come to the end of a good run. Uh, if I could link in, like Richard, it's slightly different, but the day I was born, which was 25th of January 1964, Spurs played Aston Villa at White Hart Lane and won 3-1. Oh. And even though I was born, my dad played in that game different times. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. So I'm, I'm going to stick my neck out and go 3-1 Tottenham. Wow. Yeah, well, he gets away. Theo, yeah. I, I will remind you, as bad as we think we are, we've still got two world-class strikers, haven't we? So totally. So we've got a chance in any game. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's been the story, as we said earlier. That's been yeah. the story for the last three or four years, maybe longer. You know, we've always got a puncher's chance because we've got two of the best strikers in the world. We've got the best Asian striker there has ever been. And statistically, in terms of numbers, we've got the best England striker there has ever been. So, And the great thing, one great thing about the departure of uh, Conti is that uh, Son's got his mojo back. Yeah. I mean, he's yeah. suddenly playing with confidence and intent, and he looks and he didn't have that at all this season yeah. until Conti went. So there must have been a link there, mustn't there, between yeah. Yeah. what Conti was saying to him. Definitely. Suddenly he looks like the old Son. So yeah, I agree that we've always got a chance with them on the pitch. So I, I'm gonna say two all. I'm gonna say two all. <laughs> Desmond, um, that's it. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. It I've really enjoyed this because we covered a lot of things. But we've managed not to get too maudlin and gloomy, <laughs> which is always a good thing. Richard, Ali, um, Rob, forgot your name there. Theo, <laughs> 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 uh, Theo, just one thing. I've got, just got to let you chuckle. Uh, my dad was full of great one-liners. Yeah. Uh, um, he played for Northern Ireland, who never beat anybody. And he was interviewed before a Northern Ireland match. They said, Danny, what sort of side have you got out tonight? And he said, we're probably four or five players short of being a really poor side. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's a good note to end on. It could be worse. It yeah. could be worse. But, yeah, Rob, Ali, Richard, thank you all so very much. This is Thea Delaney in North London saying, go on, you Spurs! If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.